Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. Today is Thursday, March 29th, 2018, otherwise known as Smoke and Mirrors Day. I'm Chris Salamone, and with me as always are Mike Montgomery and Ben Ueda. Hello. What's up? Happy to be here. Hey, Smoke and Mirrors. Smoke and Mirrors. Yep. So I know Mike can break one of those multiple times. Our entire friendship is just Smoke and Mirrors. It's all for the podcast. <laughs> it's all a facade. <laughs> it could, could come crumbling yep. down at any time. Exactly. How's it going in Joshua Tree, guys? Good. It's, uh, it's good. We've been uh, cranking out a lot of projects. I mean, I, you guys sick of each other yet? Not really. We got separate rooms, so it's not like you know, it's not like we're on bunk beds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not step brothers, <laughs> although parts of it are close. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, no, it's going good. Uh, I got my my older brother Nate is here, and Jesse's like back and forth between here and Santa Barbara. So from the homemade modern side, we got a ton of projects uh, cooking. So while we're waiting on permits and foundations for the shipping container houses, I have uh, them just really producing a ton of content for, you know, the the more typical sort of DIY furniture builds for homemade modern. So it's been great having more people around, um, also with different skill sets. Uh, You know, my brother has spent like the last eight years sort of building out a ranch and, and farm in Argentina. Mm-hmm. So he he's used to building in really adverse conditions with very few tools. So he's just having a, a field day cranking through uh, projects with all sort of brand new, you know, up to date tools and and materials. So uh, he's working on a couple really cool uh, wood and steel projects, some coffee tables, some benches, a dining table, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Jesse's just about finished with a outdoor theater which we teased on instagram oh yeah which you know the the projects for goal zero which makes those portable electric generators with a solar panel to charge them and i think it really shows off the the technology pretty well we got this little projector that can work with your phone or with a laptop and it's kind of amazing it's you know it's, it's only about twice the size of an iphone but mm-hmm. it can really like light up a, a pretty big screen so we've been using it uh, for sort of you know sharing Pinterest boards and kind of sitting around and going over ideas, but we can also do a little movie nights with the outdoor screen that uh, that Jesse built. So lots of things. As for for me, well, we got the shipping containers, uh, which was stressful and awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say I saw in the stories, or I saw you posted some stories where they were delivering them. So did you already have like a set a set spot to put them in, or did they just drop them off and it's like there you go, figure it out. <laughs> so the way they come they come on uh it, it was interesting so i was talking to the shipping uh, container depot that i bought them from and the options were one you can buy your own trailer which if you're doing something completely diy and don't want to get permits is probably the way to go you can get like a very simple steel trailer for about eight or nine thousand dollars and then if you keep it on the trailer uh, in most areas, that will count sort of as a mobile home. Okay. So you can go by those sort of building standards rather than by like sort of architectural house building standards as long mm-hmm. as it stays on wheels and is somewhat mobile. Gotcha. Another interesting you were telling me is that at least where you're from is you had to use new shipping containers too. Yes. So uh, if you do go through like a whole permitting process and get it permitted at a, uh, as a house – which would be absolutely necessary if you're doing any kind of mortgage or anything like that. Uh, 
you would need to go through the whole permitting process. And part of that in California is that they have to be new shipping containers and it has to meet probably outside of like New York City, the strictest sort of building codes uh, in the country. So the options for getting them off the truck are, one, you have a crane on site that lifts them off of a normal flatbed. A normal sort of flat trailer is a cheaper shipping method than what we use, which is called a tilt trailer. So the, the truck pulls up, backs into the proximate location, and the bed sort of shifts and tilts, and then the container sort of slides off. It's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it, it was pretty interesting to watch. Um, so that method was, you know, about $500 more than just a flat trailer, but way cheaper than having a crane there. Now, I will have to get a crane once the foundations are done to place the, the containers onto uh, the, the, the proper locations. For the, for the shorter ones, you could kind of do it with a, a big industrial forklift, from what I hear. Um, but the ground that we're working on is way too rough yeah. and gravelly, I think, for, totally. for that. I mean, it might be, there might be some sort of machine that, that could do it. I'm sure somebody will tell me. But yeah, it was stressful because the roads to the property haven't been fully graded yet. We've we got to wait for the water hookups to do the grading, apparently. Uh, so the truck driver for the 40-foot container was like, he's like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can make that. I'm like, come on, don't be a... No. Uh, uh, Ben's peer pressuring him. The roads are a little hairy, especially for a full-size semi. You wait, how far away are you guys from like the actual site or from where the, the house will be? Five, five or six miles. Okay, so you're pretty close. But there's, there's two ways into my property. Uh, one is very straight, and it only has about a, you know, a thousand feet of, of, of dirt road. But it's very bumpy. It goes up and down, real steep uh, sort of contours to the grade. But the road is straight. Mm -hmm. But the road is like rocky and, you know, there's like kind of sharp little peaks and valleys. So the other way is kind of long and it's really flat. But there's lots of turns on kind of sandy soil. And so I, I sort of assumed that the 40-foot truck would have more trouble like bottoming out on those sort of peaks. And so I took him the long way, which was actually the, the wrong choice. Because uh, they worry much more about making 90 degree turns on sand yeah. and losing momentum and kind of getting stuck than they do sort of bottoming out. Because hmm. uh, you don't really realize is like those trucks wheels are so big that they have quite a bit of clearance. Yeah, yeah, they're, they, they come up to like your chest probably when you're like standing next to it. And also probably being so long, it probably kind of like evens out the amount that they would be bouncing up and down. Right. I'm not probably, a physicist. Yeah. It was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little stressful because he told me like four or five times, I don't think we can do this. And I was like, well, we're going to have to figure out something. Like, told uh, not with that attitude. <laughs> um, it, it, it all worked out. We got the 41, 40-foot uh, container delivered first, and then uh, the two 20-foot containers were delivered the day after that. So uh, three containers on site and uh, just waiting for permits so we can start digging for the foundations and the septic. Awesome. Yeah. Chris, what are you working on this week, man? I mean, you and Dolores just had a kid, so I doubt you've spent much time in the shop. Congratulations on the sex. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. I did, I did most of that work about nine months ago. <laughs> Actually, hang on one second. There's a phone ringing here, so let me wait for the phone to stop ringing, and then I'll start talking again. Nice ringtone. Wait, that's my parent. I'm at my parents' house right now. Dolores kicked me out. <laughs> okay, I think they're done. All right, I will continue talking. So, 
everybody, people have sent me lots of nice messages about the baby. So thank you very much for all of those warm wishes. Did they wait three days? They waited the complimentary three days. We told them to wait for three days. I remember that. Yeah. Most people did. Yeah. All the nice people did. Okay, good, good. Yeah, but everything went really well. Like, (laughs) I know, you know, you always hear like horror stories. And if I'm being honest, I think girls maybe make a bigger deal of it than it really is. Like, I sat there and I watched three episodes of Entourage and it was over. So I didn't think it was very hard at all. (laughs) I'm just joking. No, okay. Like, I feel feel fine. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I was trying to think of like, what would be the worst show that I could be watching while my wife's in labor (laughs) with Entourage? There's probably something that's, that's worse. That's you got to... Entourage. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, everything went really well. Actually, it came like super fast. Like it was crazy. It was like once it was go time, it was like 15 minutes and done. So a lot smoother than the first time. Her recovery's been really well. Everybody's doing well. So yeah, I actually have been back out in the shop already. Awesome. So here, we'll do a little uh, peek behind the curtain of the way that, at least I think, and I'm sure a lot of other people in, in this situation think. So... I've, I feel like I've overcommitted myself lately to builds that I, I have to do. So I'm really trying to like keep ahead of the pace in case something slows me down that I don't screw myself basically. So I have a bunch of things like pretty much ready to go. And I wanted to get another kind of like smaller one knocked out. I was like, okay, I just need a small project that I can knock out quick because I know I have this other really big one that's going to take me like two weeks after that, right? So I had the idea to do this... Uh, Basically, like I wanted to do something that was like a little tabletop planter kind of idea. But so it's funny. So it it all started off as I just need something quick that I can knock out. And then the way that I am, like I ended up getting kind of obsessed with it and like sat there drawing different ideas for like five or six hours and came up with a bunch of ideas. So now it's turned into not even being a small, simple project. (laughs) Um, But what I ended up coming up with was I I purposely tried to avoid looking at things online just because. I'm sure there's like a million different ideas and everything's been done. And I wouldn't be surprised if somebody's done something similar to this, but pretty much. So it would be like a, I don't know, like a dining table centerpiece kind of plan or something really small. Right. And so I made it where it's like a six sided shape, whatever that would be called. I don't know. Hexagon. Hexagon. There you go. Uh, Geometry. Hexagon. Yeah. But it's a bunch of just like abstract shapes that can be taken apart and then put into like weird patterns on your desktop, or it can come together and make the hexagon. And so when I came up with that, I was like, like sort of modular geometric puzzle pieces kind of a thing. Exactly. Um, And so when I was doing it, I was like, this would be really hard to do by hand. So I think I'm going to CNC it. But then I was like, well, I don't want to do that as the only way to make it. So I want to come up with another way to hand make something now too. So now the video has gotten even more complex because now it's basically going to be two projects. So I'm going to do that one. And then I'm going to do this other one. That's, do you guys know the um, Zelda triangle thing? It's like basically four triangles that can go together. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Sir, sir, it's called the Triforce. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for saving me from all those emails. Um, Yeah. So I'm making another one that's that sort of a shape, but it's, so it's the same idea where it can come together and make one big shape, or you can just like make kind of abstract looking patterns with them. And then when I was researching it too, I was like, I know nothing about plants and I don't really like plants or anything. So I was like, okay, what are some plants that don't need drainage if you're just going to be keeping them on your dining table? And I was like, you know what? Forget this. I'm just getting fake plants. So I bought, (laughs) I went on Amazon and just bought like a bunch of fake like little plants and succulents and stuff i just way over ordered and then i'll see which ones look cool yeah once i get them and put them in there go get some little rocks and uh, it should be like i'm actually 
for being what I thought was just going to be like something quick that I wanted to knock out. Now I'm like super excited about this project. Like it's been really fun to design and I actually started cutting it yesterday. It took me forever to route everything out. It was going for like four hours probably. And I actually didn't set it to plunge deep enough. So it didn't quite get all the way through. So now later mm. today, I'm going to have to go out there and just like sand a bunch to get down to release everything. So with this, are you able to put the shapes in different orders and make, is it, does everything go together in one way or is it very modular in that you can make different end shapes? It would go together in one way to make that specific shape, but then everything could just be set kind of randomly to make just like weird looking patterns. And so yeah. I actually think it looks cooler as a random pattern. That's how I would probably keep it because it's kind of, it turns into like a kind of a small table runner planner thing when you like put them all in a line, but kind of offset from each other. Yep. So as long as they actually came out good, which they should, I had to, oh, that was the other problem. Okay. So <laughs> it's every time I do a CNC project, it's always a learning experience. And it's always, as soon as I hit carve and it stops going that like things pop into my head of like, oh shoot, wait a minute. How am I going to yeah. do this? So this time what it was, was I made a block of wood that's like an inch and three quarters thick. So I get it all set up. Everything's ready to go. It's all clamped down. I have my drawings all made and everything. And the way that it is, is let me see if I can explain this good. I'm always terrible at this. So each shape, I, initially what I was going to do was cut out the shape and then cut out a pocket. So like, you know, just the center part would be carved, not all the way down. And so I estimated how long that would take to cut. And it was going to be like 13 hours. I was like, okay, this is a bad idea. (laughs) So then my second idea was cut out the shape, cut out the middle, and then cut out a ledge. So basically you'd be routing from the underside and making yourself a little rabbit. And then you would just need to make a little bottom piece and stick it in. And that cut the time down to like three hours. So it shaved off a lot of time. So I have everything ready to go. It's all set up. I hit carve. And I'm like, oh, shoot, wait a minute. This eighth inch bit is not an inch and three quarters long. So yeah. it's like the, the spindle is going to bottom out before the bit can get all the way through. So like two minutes into my carve, I stop every, I hit pause on it. I stop everything. I'm like, okay, let me go look at my other bits to see if I have one that's that long. Couldn't find one kind of researched it a little bit. And it seems like you can order a longer eighth inch bit, but there'd be a lot of downtime. Uh, one thing to consider is also get the call it for the quarter inch diameter bits. Because uh-huh. you can get longer quarter-inch diameter bits, and I, unless I'm doing really detailed stuff, I prefer the quarter-inch bits because you can get much more aggressive with the cutting and reduce your your cutting time. So one of the first mistakes I made was uh, was going way too slow on the settings. I was way too conservative, especially for cutting wood. When the only time I'm, I'm going really slow is with like acrylic or Corian or stuff like that. Um, or the hardest of, of hardwoods, like a, like an ebony or something. But uh, for for most hardwoods and plywoods and stuff like that, my settings were way too slow, and my depth of uh, of step was way too low too. Yeah. So what I ended up doing was I already had a quarter inch bit, thankfully. So I put that one in there, but then that meant I just had to go remake my drawings because I had made a bunch of radiuses that were too small. And you can still just run it with the quarter inch bit, but there would have been pieces that would have like gone through each other. So I was like, I'll just spend 20 minutes or whatever refining the model. So I went and did that and I cut it and it seems like it all worked. Like I said, I still need to kind of release them to make sure everything came out. And one thing that I got a tip about halfway through was I didn't change the speed settings. Like I had it 
but just whatever the default was for hardwood. And I was fine with it taking a long time because I was building the manual ones while that was all cutting. But um, the spindle speed. So I had my spindle speed set down to like five out of 10 arbitrary units, whatever it is on, on the DeWalt router. And I actually turned it lower to like one and a half. I had a tip from my, my friend Chris. Um, and that really helped a lot. Like there's a lot less burning when you when you put the speed lower. And you uh, put out the third wall organizer this week, the video at least. Yes. Yeah, the peg wall. So that was my uh, <laughs> that was my copy of Chris. It was funny that she did like the same kind of project like a couple of weeks before me and we just yeah. both happened to be working on the same time. And like, I think we already talked about this, but Ben, you said you had done a peg wall. Yeah, it was interesting because she used all like maple and used mostly walnut. Yeah. Yeah, it was walnut plywood. And then the, the dowels were just poplar. It was just what I got at the store. And then I actually had a chunk of poplar that I had just like sitting around in my garage that I was going to use to test something a long time ago that I never got to. Yeah. So I ended up making all the shelves out of the poplar. Yeah. And it was cool. You did the like the man versus machine you had been talking about. That's right. I won. You did. Either Congratulations. <laughs> Except the holes were probably right. not what quite you- as as precise or clean maybe. probably not but they still worked out because like the way that those shelves were cut if they were off by more than like i don't know a 30 second of an inch probably it wouldn't have worked and they all worked so it got close enough killer so this week i have been working on a dining table and struggling man it was one of these projects where each individual process within the project took a lot longer than i expected and so since we talked last i think i mentioned i was building this and I finished it up yesterday, and it came out it came out really cool. What's interesting about being out here in Joshua Tree, though, is the 2x4s, even though they're kiln-dried, I think they're a little bit wetter than what you should normally use for building furniture right off the bat. But the climate here is so dry that since I've glued up the panels and then went to attach the base, the 2x4s have all shrunk. Mm. And so I've had to go in and reinforce all those glue seams or put in a little bit of wood filler here or there to make sure everything is still nice and flat and smooth. Um, But everything's going along pretty well. I've been using the Lincoln Electric MIG welder. I think it only is a flux welder. Ben, it's your welder, so I guess you know. Is that one that you can hook up to gas or is it a dedicated flux? I don't remember. I don't remember (laughs) either, but it's welding great. I'm going through quarter-inch thick steel bar. Uh, The table has four-inch wide steel. The benches have three-inch wide steel. Uh, All quarter-inch thick, and it's just burning right through it, making really strong welds. I'm impressed, so shout-out to Lincoln and your welders. Um, I'm using .035 wire, uh, and it's it's just really going great. Uh, I ground everything down yesterday, and... I'm deciding to go with a little bit more industrial look than what I normally do. So instead of after grinding all of those welds smooth, coming back with sandpaper and then sanding the entire leg, I'm only grinding everything flat. That way I still have the really black untouched metal next to the really, I guess, really shiny ground metal on the corners. So it's a neat look. It's a cool texture because you get to kind of feel the variance between one just going between the wood and the metal because the metal and wood are both flush on the surface of the table but all of the little i guess i'm going to call them boogers from the from the spatter that i had because (laughs) i'm not a great welder on the table i left those so it kind of feels like you're running your hand over braille a little bit or boogers (laughs) yeah exactly and once I get all that covered with a couple coats of polycrylic, I think it'll feel really, really tactile and and interesting. So 
That video will be coming out next week. Um, on Thursday, though, I put out a video of making a wood pendant light on the lathe, which I mentioned, I think, a week, week and a half back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been stacking videos prior to leaving because I didn't know how long it would take to get back into production, surprisingly enough. I think the second day I was here, Ben and I were shooting videos. So that wasn't an issue, and this light fixture is coming out this week. I turned it on my new jet lathe with some carbide tools from Rockler, and I'm impressed. It's like shaving butter. It's really, really interesting. You get a different type of shaving, or at least I was, because I was using a laminated glue blank, or turning blank. Mm -hmm. So instead of just getting a big chunk of wood, I glued up four layers of six-quarter maple to make this blank for the shade. And so the shavings were relatively short because everywhere the glue joint was, the shaving broke. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, it was really nice, sanded smooth, had a little bit of tear out in ingrain. So any of you wood turners out there that have some advice for me using carbide tools on ingrain and how to get a smoother cut, I would really appreciate any info that you guys have um, because that was a little bit of a struggle. But it ended up being a problem that turned into a better solution than what I had originally designed. So I was carving out the inside of this shade, and I had a lot of hollowing out to do, and that's a lot of end grain. So I was shaving, 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 and then it got to the point where I couldn't really get my tool rest into the shade properly, and even when I did, I just didn't have a good spot to put my tool because it was was a pretty small piece. Mm -hmm. I was having to stick my tool in further than I wanted to, and I was getting problems with the workpiece grabbing the tool because my tool was sticking out so far past my, my tool rest. And so once I got it, that hollowed out section far enough that the light bulb would set recessed in there and really smooth, I was planning on carving all the way back and making a recess for the socket too. But I just kind of had enough of turning that ingrain. So I picked up a drill chuck for the lathe and put a Forstner bit in there, the exact same size as the socket. Okay. And I was actually able to drill a recess that that just fits into super, super clean. Because otherwise, I would have just kind of turned a recess for it. It probably would have been a little bit wonky because I still don't quite know what I'm doing. Um, So this looks very machined and very proper. It's an interesting edit, editing a lathe video rather than a typical woodworking video Mm -hmm. because it's much much more, I guess, sculptural and kind of lends itself to time lapses so you can kind of see the shape be formed out of the original blank. Um, so it's a longer video, but I think it's entertaining as well. Yeah, I remember you posting, you were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, and I, I don't remember if you posted a picture on Instagram or if you sent us a picture or something, but it looked really cool. Like, I'm, I'll be interested to see the video. It was a lot more, um, like, narrow and long than what I was picturing when you were initially talking about it. Yeah, whenever I do any sort of lamps like that that, that have sort of a single uh, body piece, and I've, I've done a couple out of uh, baseball bats, Step one for me, I always sort of design it around having to do the, the cavity where the light bulb's going to go in. So step one for me is always finding the smallest light bulb possible uh, so, I, so, I can keep that, so I can keep that thing down. So I always ended up going with, uh, uh, they make these composite like LED bulbs where the diameter of the bulb is actually smaller than the diameter of the part that plugs into the socket. And is it still a normal socket? Yeah, um, although I have switched out normal sockets with uh, candelabra sockets, which are a little bit smaller. But with like lower wattage, you know, bulbs these days, 
you can get a lot like a, a low wattage LED bulb is still way brighter than an old incandescent bulb. Exactly. And then you don't have to worry about all of the heat buildup. Yeah. So even with the smaller sockets, you can get a lot of light, which opens up a lot of design possibilities because then you can actually get these lights in more minimalist looking uh, fixtures and shades. Yeah, I definitely probably wouldn't have built this if I didn't have the LED lights because I really would have been worried about the heat building up with a, with a wood shade. And I don't know if that's a fire hazard in any way. But with this, I mean, the bulb, after it's been on for like an hour, it barely feels warmer than than the air. So I feel pretty comfortable with it. And and yeah, it was it's one of those uh, Sylvania Smart Plus bulbs. Mm. So it's kind of like the Philips Hughes or the Samsung Smart Things bulbs. So you can adjust them all from your phone, adjust the color, adjust the color temperature and the brightness. So it's a cool little little setup. Nice. I want to try now and do some sort of hanging pendant light, but make it completely with just normal tools rather than a lathe. That way those videos can kind of pair together and give a couple different options. Hmm. So I'm thinking now of some sort of... I really liked Ben, that one leather one that you made. Mm. It was It was kind of like a compound hexagon correct it, it was a hexagon shape that was smaller at the base and wider towards the bottom right yeah and it was sort of had scalloped edges and how did that go you stitched the leather right stitched, we laser cut the whole thing um and then which you know laser cut leather smells like burnt beef jerky which is awesome um delicious and then we uh, stitched it up and we actually laser cut the holes for the stitching which was you know it was, was a pretty tight move because like hammering out you know, quarter inch thick leather is, is <laughs> takes a long time and is annoying. Because whenever I used the leather and whenever I was doing a cross stitch seam, I actually used rubber cement to tack everything down. And then I punched all my holes and sewed everything. But with that, you can just let everything line itself up. And that's pretty cool. So if anybody's got some cool pendant light ideas, send them my way. Um, I'm still kind of workshopping what I might do. I forgot. Uh, we also released a couple of videos this week. Um, so we released uh, Jamie's 3D printing video of the, the, the little clip-on toolkit that she made for Ryobi batteries, yeah. particularly for drills, where you can actually store the driver bits in those. And we used Shapeways to set up uh, to set up basically an account where we upload the file. So if anybody wants to get that little toolkit that can plug onto their batteries, they can just go to Shapeways and actually pay it, and Shapeways will print and ship it to them. Now, it's way overpriced because it's on-demand custom 3D printing, um, but it's still a really cool idea. And what we wanted to demonstrate is, one, 3D printers are getting relatively more affordable. We use the sort of robo uh, 3D printers, which, which worked excellent. But if you don't have a 3D printer, the software now is mostly available free. You can use things like Cura and uh, Autodesk Fusion. Which SketchUp? Yeah. Or, or SketchUp. SketchUp, you have to pay for, or is there a free version? There's free, yeah. Okay. So, and, so even if you don't have a 3D printer, but you want to experiment with 3D printing, you can download the software for free and then upload the files to Shapeways and have them print it. Granted, it will be a little bit overpriced than if you owned your own, but for testing something out, it might, you can limit your sort of, you know, first 3D printing project to about like a $50 to $75 budget. Still print something a pretty good size and then decide if you want to buy a 3D printer if it's going to be worth the sort of investment. Yeah. So, yeah, the way I always look at Shapeways is yeah, it is expensive, but and I don't know this because I haven't gotten a 3D printer, 
but I assume like your first 10 prints are probably like a little subpar. You're kind of working in what settings work best, what filaments that you like to use and kind of the rate that you want to print at. Whereas this is as optimized as it can get. So you're going to get as good of a print out of whatever you design as possible. So what I really liked about that video though was it showed the prototyping phase of finding what shapes worked well with the batteries and how to kind of like adjust throughout the prototyping process, which I think is really valuable because most people think whether it's a CNC project or whether it's a 3D print project, that is kind of design it, print it, done. Because a lot of times you don't want to edit in all of that prototyping and what went wrong process, kind of the same way you're talking about, Chris, where you use the CNC, but it's like, oh man, I used the wrong bit, so I had to adjust this and do all of that. Yeah. So it kind of showed all of the back-end workshopping that you do outside of just that final print or outside of that final cut on the CNC. Yeah, I was going to say, back up a little bit about Shapeways. The thing that actually appealed to me most about them is I think about it from the perspective that how it would have been beneficial to me a couple years ago when I was mostly just selling furniture. And that would be if a client just wanted something where the idea just happened to work best, like say it was just a drawer pool or something like that, that would be 3D printed. And you know, you say, okay, yeah, what about this idea? And they like it. And now you have six weeks to have a finished piece delivered to them and you haven't done any 3D printing at all. So yeah, you'll pay a little bit more, but you can kind of pass that on to the client anyway. And you don't have to spend a bunch of time developing something, getting into something new that, you know, maybe long-term you might want to do that, but just like for the short turnaround, you could actually make a profit using something like that. It's a great time for product designers because you can have an idea, you don't have to spend any money, download free software, and only spend money exactly when you're ready to prototype it. Um, and that is a, that's, and then, it, then the prototypes get shipped right mm -hmm. to your door too. So if, if you have these ideas, especially for things that could be eventually, you know, just made out of injection molded plastic like, like this component, uh, these are real opportunities for people that tinker around and are hands-on with tools is, you know, a lot of the people I talk to at like WorkbenchCon, they have a lot of pet peeves and they have a lot of ideas for how to improve things. And you see them interacting with brands and the brands are like, they're like, you know what you should do to, to X tool is you should add this thing. And I really like this. So it should be more of this and less of this. And a lot of times the brands are like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. I'm a marketing person. So that's great. But I don't have to do with anything of this sort of design and production. But with this kind of availability of both software and prototyping, either through buying your own 3D printer or through using services like Shapeways, you can just go ahead and make the alterations and customize your things and then show them a sort of finished product and be like, hey, want to license this? Cool. But the, the, the other video we dropped, which was, which is, you know, probably on the whole other end of the spectrum was we finally edited and published a video for the shoe store in Venice. Um, so it's a longer video. It's about almost 10 minutes and now it's up and live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that video came out really cool. It was a good fast paced video for the amount of work that you guys had to do. It still had a really nice pace to it. Yep. How much comment, how many comments did you get of people being really, really mad that you painted over the floor? <laughs> Not as many as the people that remarked about the sort of financial things about it, which is really interesting because so I, at the end of the video, because I, I wanted to do a demonstration to show, people always say, oh, CNC machines are too expensive. Yes, it's an expensive hobby. It's an incredibly affordable way to start a manufacturing or, or fabrication business. So if you look at it from that way, 
$1,500 for a CNC machine that lets you sort of increase your, your capabilities for custom work is not a big capital investment. So that's what's really the point of, of, of the video and why I was sort of sharing numbers is I want to say, look, you know, I bought two X cards for this uh, project. Well, I actually only, I bought one and they gave me one free. It was sort of the deal we worked out. So that's, that's a totally worthwhile capital investment for a project where I'm going to be billing $50,000. The thing that was really interesting to me is that when I talked to all of my design friends, they're like $50,000 is ridiculously low. All the YouTube people think that $50,000 is incredibly high. Um, and that probably has to do with one, they don't understand that like in how expensive everything in California is. If you're spending $20,000 a month on rent for like a 700 square foot building, spending 50, you know, spending two and a half months rent to get something designed and built is really, really low. Right. And if you look at the stores next door and all around it, their build out budget was probably in the six figures and they probably had to hire like a separate architecture team and a separate general contractor. The design fees, if you hire a good architecture firm to design something like this, the design fees alone are going to be thirty to $50,000. You're not getting any name brand designer or architect to do anything for less than five figures wow. and probably more in the mid five figures at that. So it was interesting seeing a lot of people. I think it's probably they come from more of like a trade background and they're looking at like, oh, that's just some paint and drywall and things like that. So they were like, wow, that's that you, you overcharge. And then meanwhile, everyone I know in professional design is like that you're you're way undercharged that's that's not, that's not good for our us just, people are going to think that they can go out and get these kind of services for 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 super cheap so it was funny seeing the the complaints at sort of on both ends but what i hopefully what happens is that one i hope the sort of general contractors that are used to doing quick build outs realize that adding a little bit of design to their far superior construction techniques than, than what i have can up their profit margins. And I hope that people in design see that, oh, maybe if I learn how to do a little bit of basic building, I can actually lower my rates for these quick build outs and actually just be a one-stop solution for design and build. Well, maybe that means that you are dead on with your pricing if you have people that are mad on one side and mad on the other. It means that you just like nailed it right in the middle perfectly. Let's, uh, I want to tease something. Should be cool that we got coming up. It's going to be our second challenge. Remember, we did the two two-by-four challenge. Uh, what? I don't know. It's been a long time. Like Probably like six months ago. Probably longer than that. Yeah, it's been a while. The long-awaited second ch challenge. We've wanted to do it since we did the first one, but there was just a lot of other things going on and a lot of, uh, a lot of ducks to get in a row. But they're in a row now. So should be soon. We're not going to reveal what it is yet, but I will say that it's equally approachable as the first one is. So there's if you want to do it, there should be nothing stopping you from uh, getting in there and doing it. But the plan is right now that the 19th of April, we're gonna, all three of us are gonna put out videos and that's gonna kick it off. And then we'll talk about it in probably more detail here that day, cause that's a Thursday also. Um, and then you'll have until, I believe it's gonna be the end of May to build it. So it's pretty much like six weeks that you'll have to put your project together, build it, get it up. And again, we'll go over all the details you know, once we actually release the videos, but that's, that's the tentative plan right now. And there's going to be prizes this time. Like I think actually over a thousand dollars worth of prizes will be given out during this. So, and 
like I said, with the last one, a lot of people really launched their channels and like, you know, got their first 10,000 subscribers or whatever off of that. So if you're looking to launch or maybe you've already just launched something, but like this can be kind of like your official grand opening or whatever. It's really good chance to get some exposure. Yeah. I I was really surprised as we, especially like, uh, was it the minimalist maker? Uh, yeah. If you look at her sort of channel, her, you know, if you look at sort of her average views, the one that really pops in terms of, you know, really big viewer numbers is that one sort of two by four competition that uh, she did as part of the challenge. And you see the same <laughs> thing with a whole bunch of people there. I mean, that really blew me away. There was a lot of really, not just a lot of entries, a lot of really exceptionally designed uh, entries to that last one. So super excited for it. Sharpen your tools, clear out your shop space. It's going to be based similarly to the last one on a unit of material. So, mm-hmm. And that unit of material is incredibly available and affordable. So, And other than that, you can do whatever you want. You can use a CNC. You can use traditional tools. You can use fine woodworking tools. You can use a hand plane and really sharp chisels. Whatever you want. It'll just be sort of the the universal material piece will be the kind of starting point for everybody. Awesome. Well, Chris. Yes. Do you have a hypothetical lined up for us this week? I did not. Well, I had a I had a viewer question or I had a viewer send me in one. Now, this is going to be a rough interpretation of what they said, and I'm sorry that I didn't shout you out. I I assumed Chris would have been prepared with a hypothetical. So this is this is me trying to save the day here. Sorry, I just had a kid. Oh, wow. Great excuse. No. <laughs> I'm going to use that one for like 18 years. Yeah. Hey, exactly. I just had a kid 16 years ago. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I have to put a kid through college now. So really, you've got even a couple of years past that. Yeah. <laughs> Is if, if Hollywood was making a trilogy of movies about us, who would play us and why? <laughs> so like what actor would play the three oh, of us? Well, I think Keanu Reeves should play Ben. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, that would that would be okay. You got to shave the goatee, but that's about it. You got like a similar kind of look. Yeah, yeah, or not shave the gro- uh, goatee, but let everything else grow out a little. Um, oh, man, who would play me? I think probably like a peak Brad Pitt. <laughs> Brad Brad Pitt is prime. <laughs> whenever, whenever he was, whenever he was at his best. I feel like there's a lot of character actors that could play that could play Chris, and not to stereotype, but they normally get kept. Like cast it as like the tech guy. <laughs> so just like the the type of guy where you don't know the actor's name, but you're like, oh, right. that's the guy. He was in this, and he was in yeah. That. Who's the like guy? That, that type of actor. Yeah, exactly. Who's the guy that does those Verizon commercials? Yeah, Thomas Middleditch. Oh man, yeah, Silicon Valley. <laughs> like you're you're kind of like him, but like a little less like ADD. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. And stronger chin. For Mike, it would be I don't know who it would be because it's out of my age demographic. It'd probably be someone that got their start on the Disney Channel. And then kind of had a dark period and got some tattoos. Oh, great, great, great. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, like if we just like burly up Justin Bieber a little bit. Yeah, it's way, way, way too tall for Bieber. Yeah. So let's just go with, let's just settle on Chris Pratt. Then. Okay. <laughs> we'll just settle there. <laughs> a peak. I want to see these movies. Awesome. Well. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Sorry it's a little short. Sorry it's a little... Oh, wait. What do oh, you guys have... Oh, what? yeah. Okay. Oh, actually, you know what? Here. Yeah, feed us, I, feed us the segment. What do you guys... Have, what do you guys but, uh, we'll just, let's just keep uh, it dirty and transition in like that. Who cares? We're doing okay. this live, people. It's messy. <laughs> I bought a new truck. 
the other day. I had actually kind of talked about it when we were doing the live podcast and said, oh, I'm not going to get a new truck. But then I did. Yeah. I got a Honda Ridgeline. Ooh. So been digging that. Actually, it was funny. I was So right now I'm podcasting from my parents' house. So I was driving over here. Fancy. And, yeah. And so it's got like all like, you know, the Apple CarPlay and all that crud in it. And so I hadn't really mm-hmm. tested it out. Well, that's what happens when you spend that Honda money. That's right, baby. No, so I was testing it out. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I'll text Mike to tell him like, you know, I'll be there in five minutes or whatever. So it's all hands-free. You know, I push the button. I say, send a text message. Who do you want to send it to? Mike Montgomery. What do you want to say? I'll be there in five minutes. Send. Okay, whatever. You get it. And then I get the notification a couple minutes later that you text me back. And so it doesn't like, it didn't write the message on the screen. It just says that you have a text message. So I just push the button and then it reads it to you. So it says, Mike Montgomery said, thumbs up in white, or no, what was it? Medium light skin tone. (laughs) (laughs) It narrated, it narrated the emoji. That's really funny. I thought that was pretty funny. It it got so specific. Ben says eggplant. (laughs) (laughs) So that's your obsession, obsession, that's funny. Chris. Uh, my obsession is is my my new truck. So you like you like the truck? I'm digging it, man. I I know it's like the least manly truck on the market, probably, but like it's perfect for what I need. I'm, I'm not ever towing big heavy things. I'm not carrying a bunch of weight. I just mostly need like volume in there, and it easily takes a full sheet of plywood. Like it's nice and wide, so you can slide slide it in. There's no wheel wells or anything. Um, and, you know, 95% of the driving I do is just, like, commuting to work and back. So it's just, like, a nice, comfortable car. Yeah, that's the number one test is can it fit a whole sheet of plywood above the the wheel wells or in plane with them? Okay, yeah, I was going to say the first thing that I did, actually, when I went to the dealership to check it out was I needed a new piece of the foam insulation that we cut stuff on anyway. And, you know, they sell those in 4 by 8 sheets. Yep. So I just went there with that. I was like, I'm just going to load it in there to make sure it can take it. And that'll be like my proxy for a piece of plywood. So you're not like in the truck commercials where you're dropping like a whole load of of cinder blocks. I I will not. I will not do that. But I have seen them do videos where they do that. And it's like this can take, you know, the the bed liners made to like not take dents and whatever. But I will probably not be doing that. But Mike, to answer your question. Yeah, it doesn't. I guess because it's based off of a. Like it's based off of the same chassis or the same um, body as the pilot, yeah. which is like their big SUV. So it doesn't have wheel wells. It's just got like a little tiny little, like it's probably like a half inch tall little like riser where the wheel would be. Yeah. But even that is there's more than four feet in between those. That's pretty cool. That's really convenient because wheel wells are normally like totally in the way always. So that's yeah. Neat. The truck that I, I've had before this was just an older Tacoma. And so the way that I would get the full sheets of plywood in there was I would just put two, like, I don't know, two by sixes that sit above the wheel wells so that then I can get the whole thing in. And so it's longer. It has a longer bed in the Tacoma than what the Ridgeline has. But what's actually being, what, what's actually supporting the workpiece in the Ridgeline is more than what was supporting the workpiece in the Tacoma, even though it's shorter. Killer. Ben, what's your obsession this week? So, you know, we've been moving to a new location, setting up new shops, uh, new sort of processes for for building and filming. Um, So I was also just checking out, okay, what are some good sort of shop organization ideas? And once again, came across the the Ryobi Dream Workshop thing. So uh, 
One of the first people I started following in this space was Anna White, who does awesome DIY plans. I'm sure mm -hmm. you guys have seen her plans. She doesn't do so much YouTube. Um, now she does a lot of tiny house builds on YouTube, but her her DIY sort of furniture plans are like a staple of the kind of DIY building uh, community. So her and Tom Burry, uh, who's, who's done a bunch of stuff on, on television as sort of con uh, construction stuff, uh, they teamed up with Ryobi and they did this basically like prototypical workshop with a whole bunch of shop furniture plans. And some of the stuff is like, the, the nuts and bolts, bread and butter things that you'd want in the shop. But some of the stuff is also pretty innovative, particularly how they sort of store tools and sort of build in some sort of multimedia design stations and stuff like that too. So just check out, just Google Ryobi Dream Workshop and uh, check it out. There's a lot of good free content and videos and how-tos and all that stuff. Yeah, I really liked it because it showed one just cool shop like fixtures but it was all with the idea that it's in a relatively small space how big would you say that workshop is maybe like two car garage yeah two car garage size and and the web interface for it is is you basically get like a virtual tour and then you can click on any piece of shop furniture yeah. within that tour and then there's a video that shows you how to make it yeah so my shout out this week is going to be for brad from fix this build that yeah. he just put out a live edge um epoxy table like a resin cast uh, river table and I was really impressed with it I think that was probably the best epoxy poured river table that I'd seen on YouTube I don't know if I honestly it might have been the only one that I'd seen on YouTube um, but normally you see a lot of that stuff on Instagram I see that on my timeline all the time but to see an in-depth kind of tutorial on on the process and the technique of blending the two resins together to get a good uh, kind of like water-like finish was was really good. That's kind of Brad Brad's bread and butter. Wow, that was a tongue twister. <laughs> it's being able to just explain things so clearly, and <laughs> and just make it to where there's just like no questions once he's done with the video. So he needs to start a segment that's called Brad's bread and butter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that will be linked. Oh, and a cool shout out, really quick, to the Apple Podcast app. Links in the description of podcast episodes are now clickable. And so our show notes um, right, right down there are a lot more useful now. So anytime we talk about maybe a product that's on Amazon, um, I'll throw an affiliate link down there or whenever we talk about videos like Brad's um, or even the, the workshop that Ryobi and Anna White did, I'll leave links to all of that in the description from now on and you can click right through to that. So, um, so that's pretty convenient. But if you're not already, please give us a review on the podcast app. That really helps us out. Also, if you're not following us on Instagram, that is at Four Eyes Furniture, at Benjamin Ueda, and at Modern Builds. Collectively, we are at Modern Maker Podcast. Uh, make sure and subscribe to the Modern Maker Podcast YouTube channel as well. That staging wall video that we talked about last week mm -hmm. is finally getting done. All of the flooring came in, so we're going to lay all of that later today when we stage a few photos. And that video will be soon to